Amen and amen. Now, my name is Earl Smith, and I serve as our campus director here for Every Nation Campus Ministries, and also, thank you, also for City Life Church, and I'm so glad that we get a chance to talk with you, and it is Campus Sunday, as you have heard, and so whether you're watching online or whether you're here, we're so glad that you have joined in what we believe is a big part of God's heart. You see, one of the things that I feel like I've learned very on in my walk with Christ is always have this desire to know what's on his heart more than what I can just get from him. And this is one of the things that we have as a heart, as a, as a desire here in this church, is to always seek what is on his heart. And we believe exactly what Kayla said earlier in generational diversity. We believe in pouring into the next generation. We believe that one of the biggest things that's on his heart is always advancing his kingdom from generation to generation. And that's why we go out there on the college campus. And you have people who have devoted their lives or at least a season of their lives like myself to go on the college campus and just preach the gospel and hopefully show a people and a generation that is going through so much the love of God. So you have people like myself and Cassandra Daniels and Jasmine Gershinoff and Sarah Campbell who's up here playing on the keys and, and Megan Carlos and we have interns like Naomi and people that you've seen before like Ji Yoon who was a campus minister or Eric Stevens, Cindy Fittler. I mean, you have so many, Sue Lemons. I mean, you have a lot of people. So if you want to get a gauge about how serious we really are about pouring into the next generation, just talk to any one of them. And you'll understand why. We truly believe that if you change the campus, you can change the world. That is just something that is so ingrained on the inside of our soul. Why? Because they are our future youth. They are our future mothers, our fathers, our husbands, and our wives. They, as you just heard, are our future politicians. They are our future leaders. And so you have people who are crazy to believe in God enough that if we get on the campus with students who are from the ages of 18 to 25, which according to Charisma Magazine uh, is the time where people and most people in this nation will make a decision about whether or not they're going to follow Jesus or not. It's between the times of 18 and 25. That's college campus. We believe that if we get there and we preach the good news of Jesus Christ and show them through our works, show them through the fruit that we bear because we understand what it means to walk into the kingdom of God. We believe that not only the kingdom gets on the inside of them, but whenever they get out of college and whenever they go to their other nations, like U of H, we represent the most nations out of any other university in America. And we truly believe that whenever they go to their other countries or whenever they go into their occupations, they are bringing the kingdom of God with them. That is why we do what we do. So thank you so much for allowing us to interrupt your sermon Sunday so that we can share our hearts with you or so that we can share what's on God's heart. Now, we're still in our Abide series, and we're going to talk about bearing fruit. What does that look like? What does that mean to bear fruit, and, and how exactly do we do that? And I want to share something with you on my heart. Really, it's a burden. And typically, when God gives me a burden, for some reason, he, he takes me through this season. He takes me through this time where I really don't feel like myself. 
For some reason, everything around me is clouded. Even though I have a lot of community around me, even though I have a lot of people speaking in my life, for some reason, I just, it just feels a little bit different. I go through issues, I go through trials, and I realize the more that he puts his burden, what it's doing, it is pulling me closer to seeking him. It's pulling me closer to desire, okay, Lord, what is this thing that I'm feeling? And what it does is it lets me know, and the more I've been walking with God, he's been letting me know that at the end of that season, it's always revelation. It's always light or revelation that he's trying to get me to understand because he wants me to feel how he feels. Because what does that do that allows me to not just feel what he feels, but to actually obey him when he tells me to go and do something about it. And he'll normally give me one word. And that one word, and I don't know if this happens to anybody in here, but that one word For some reason, I haven't seen this word before. I haven't, obviously it's a word that I know it, but for some reason, it'll pop up everywhere in my life. From me watching TV, I'm sitting there looking at TV and all of a sudden the word will flash across the screen. I'll have a good friend, he'll message me and we talk about all kinds of things. But for some reason on this day, he just says this one word 15 times. For some reason, I'm looking at my phone and I read an article or somebody will send me a random text and it just says that word in the midst of their sentence. And I realize that sometimes God speaks to me that way. Why? So it can spark this thing called curiosity. To be curious about this burden that he's given me. And even though he's given me one word, he makes me curious so I can dive in deeper into what he wants me to hear from him. And if there's anything that I can ask all of you, I don't care if you've been walking with God and you're a veteran. And I don't care if you just started your relationship with him. One of the greatest things you can ever do for your Christian walk is remain curious about what's on his heart. That is one of the greatest things you can do. I promise you that curiosity brings you into his presence. And it is from that presence where you get exactly what you've been looking for internally and you get to enjoy the beauty of our king. And I love it. I just pray and hope that as I articulate what I want to talk about, it matches the burden that God placed in the middle of my stomach. And if not, it's okay. Because the Holy Spirit can do so much more than I can. Pressure is a very interesting word. Pressure. The pressure. It's something, it's a word that none of us in here like. But we all universally are living within the atmosphere of pressure. Even though it's not spoken of very frequently pressure. And I don't care what generation that you're a part of. Every generation, and I've done a little bit of research, every generation has experienced their own version or something unique to them as pressure, except for now we have an opportunity to understand that all of us as a generational diverse people in here get the chance to experience a pressure that no one has ever experienced before that's living today as we go through this pandemic. Pressure. Every generation has tried to find a way to speak about pressure or to get out of pressure. And what we've done is, and study have shown us that we've tried to pass down to the next generation how we got out of our pressure or how we deal with the pressure at hand, even though it's a completely different pressure than what you are experiencing. We've done it, and studies have been showing that the generation that is coming up experienced, if not more pressure, they experience even more than, than the next generation, but also they are worse off. And this is despite 
our TED Talks. This is the spite. Our self-help books. And sometimes it's despite some of the preaching that we speak as a body of Christ. Pressure. And I'm a firm believer that if you want to get a gauge of what that generation is experiencing or what that generation is going through, look no further than the creatives of that generation. The singers, the artists, because they have a unique way of capturing this atmosphere and putting it to words and putting sound to it and, and fancy nice tones to it so that everybody in that generation will be able to say, I relate to that. So what I have done is I've decided to put this to the test and I decided to compile a list of songs that many of us may know. And so I've decided to go all the way back in the ancient times of 1980s. And so there's a man that's just going to pop up on the screen. And that man is named Billy Joel, an ancient man. I'm sorry. I don't mean to offend anybody in here. But he sung a song about pressure. And even though I don't necessarily felt that at that time, I wasn't alive in that time, but I'm pretty sure those of you that were can understand what he was meaning by this song. And it says this, it says, all grown up and no place to go, psych one, psych two, what do you know? All your life is channel 13, Sesame Street. What does that mean? He says, I'll tell you what it means. Pressure, pressure. He says, don't ask for help. You're all alone, pressure. You'll have to answer to your own pressure. He says, I'm sure that you'll have some cosmic rationale, but here you are tonight, two men out, three men on, nowhere to look but inside where we all respond to pressure. The pressure. There's another ancient group, another ancient man by the name of David Bowie and Queen. And they created a song called Under Pressure. And some of you are hearing the song now. I won't sing it. So don't sing it, please. I want you to hear without the sound and the beautiful tones. They said this, pressure pushing down on me. I can't help it. Pushing down on you. No man asked for under pressure that burns buildings down, splits a family in two, and puts people on the street. It's a terror of knowing what the world is about, watching some good friends screaming, let me out. Pray tomorrow gets me higher. Pressure on people, people on the street. Now, I got one more song because I didn't have enough time to just be sitting here putting up a whole bunch of songs so that we could have a big sing-along or anything like that. But I decided to skip all the way to just last year. And it wouldn't be an Earl Smith sermon if there wasn't a chance that I throw a little Disney in here. Because Disney has shaped and molded my generation. And if you're a millennial, you understand what I'm saying. They were able to speak things that just made us feel like, yeah, they know what I'm doing. They know what I'm going through from a young age, even up to now. So there's this movie that has hit the streets, that has hit the Disney Plus streaming app. And it's this movie called Encanto. There we go. We love it. 
in Kanto, and the, one of the main characters, she's the big sister, and they all have these different powers, and she's supposed to be the strong one. In fact, before I read this, to give you some context, they actually made toys based off of this movie, and they thought that this was a specific character in that movie that they was going to sell the most, but in fact, it ended up being the big sister that sung this song because so many people related to it. And so the song says, surface pressure. And this is what she says. She says, I'm the strong one. I'm not nervous. I'm as tough as the crust of the earth is. I move mountains and I move churches and I glow because I know what my worth is. That sounds pretty good. I don't ask how hard the work is. I got a rough indestructible surface. Diamonds and platinums, I find them and I flatten them. I take what I'm handed and I break what's demanding. But under the surface, I feel berserk as a tightrope walker in a three-ring circus. Under the surface, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure I'm worthless if I can't be of service. A flaw or a crack, a straw in the stack that breaks the camel's back. What breaks the camel's back? It's pressure. Like a drip, drip, drip that'll never stop. Whoa. I don't know how it goes. but Pressure that'll tip, tip, tip until you just go pop. The pressure. Now, I told you that God speaks to me sometimes in one word, and that word was pressure back in December 12, 2021, when I was sitting over the Como because I had the flu and I had COVID at the same time, one of the worst things that I've ever been through in my physical body, and I don't wish it on my worst enemies. I don't have enemies, but I don't wish it on anybody. And as I sat there, and my wife is sitting next to me crying because she has no clue if I'm going to either live or die, I wasn't going to no hospital. So it was either going to be it or not. <laughs> but I'm sitting there over the commode, and despite the flu-like symptoms that I was having, despite the COVID symptoms that I was having, there was only one thing I was praying for God for relief from. And it was because of this pressure just continued to build in my mind. It was almost like somebody got air pumps and stuck them inside of my ears and just continued to pump and pump away, making my brain and my skull expand. And it felt like if I didn't get relief from this pressure, I was going to have an aneurysm and die. Or it felt like if I didn't get any relief, I said, God, please relieve me of this pressure. And as long as And as painful as it was, the moment I prayed that prayer, it lifted up off of me supernaturally. I don't know how. I can't explain the reasoning behind it, but I do believe it was God. Have you ever been through a pressure like that? Are you currently in a situation? And it doesn't matter what category that you're in. Have you been in a place where you're like, God, if I just, if I don't get relief from this soon. I don't know what would happen. The Holy Spirit told me when I got up, he said, I went to my room, I sat on the bed, and he told me, he said, Earl, I let you experience this pressure because I wanted to put this burden on my heart of what my people in the world are experiencing now. 
And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what kingdom that you're in, whether you're in the kingdom of darkness, whether you're in the kingdom of yourself or you're in the kingdom of God. Universally, we're all experiencing this level of pressure. And he said, this is supposed to be expected over here in this particular kingdom. Why? Because the foundation and where we get our fruit from in this particular place is not of God. So the pressure it's supposed to be there. He said, but there are people that call themselves believers. There are people that say they are a follower of me and they are operating. They may say out of their mouth that they are a follower of Jesus Christ, but the way that they live in their reality is underneath this pressure. That may be the pressure to just do more for God, the pressure to just build up some sort of stash so that God can love you even more, or even pressure to bear fruit that only he does. Pressure. And he says that I'm coming in. And for every person here, whatever you're going through, whatever pressure, whatever ailment, whatever anxiety, he says, I'm coming to lift that off of you. Because I want you to see that the fruit that you're looking for was never rooted in pressure, but it was rooted in my presence. It was rooted in my presence and in my pleasure for you. This is what we're about to read. So let's go ahead and read the scriptures. John chapter 15, verses 4 and 12. Pressure. This is Jesus talking. And he says this. Abide in me, he's talking to his disciples, and I in you. And as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you. Unless you abide in me, he who sent me is with me. And I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do absolutely nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's trying to help them figure out some of the most important themes of his life and his ministry because he's about to be on his way out, meaning he's about to be betrayed, he's about to die and essentially raise up from the grave and go ascend to be with the Father back on his throne. And he did that for me and you because he wanted us to be back in relationship with the Father because of our own issues or our own sins separated, but his love, his grace, and his mercy, he went through a whole entire lifetime just so that he can get us back to the place where we have intimate relationship with him. That's what he did for us. But you can feel the atmosphere in the room at this point in time. People are really sad. 
people need some comforting in this time because they've been hearing Jesus say, you know what? My time is almost up. And where I go, you cannot come with me. He even spoke it to large crowds. Where I am going, you're not able to go. And it's like, yeah, we've heard that before, Jesus. We've heard that before. I, I can't really believe it. I don't really understand what you're saying. But hey, you know what? But this is different. This brother's washing our feet. He's doing things that I've just never seen him do. I don't know what's about to happen, but Jesus sees this. And so he gives them comforting words like, don't worry, I won't leave you as orphans. In fact, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And what the Holy Spirit is going to do, he's going to comfort you. And he's going to lead you and guide you into all truth. And he's even trying to affirm them in his deity. You know what? I am the way, the truth, and the light. That's something that you can actually count and bet on. So you don't have to worry about that. He's trying to comfort them in a way that they know how. And finally, he gets to the point where he paints a picture for them. And he says, you know what? I am the vine. And you are the branches. If you abide in me, I promise you, you will bear the fruit that you're looking for. The fruit that you're going to need both internally to live as I lived and the fruit that you're going to need to both externally do as I do. Make the impact on the kingdom that I've called you to. That is found in me. He says abide. And I love that word abide. And it literally means remain. And I like to think of the word dwell. I like to think of just being. And there's a lot of times where God just says, Earl, you're doing too much. I don't need you to be a human doing. I need you to be a human being. I need you to just be. You don't have to fight so much. I just need you to be. When you go to your house, you typically go to your house because it's the place where you're relieved of your pressure. It's a place where you get to lay down and just rest. You don't have to act like somebody else when you go out there in the other world. How the way you act, how the way you dress, how the way you walk looks like a specific way. But you know that when you go home, you just be yourself. You're just being. It's a place where you literally dwell. And I believe that the fruit that he's talking about is both the fruits of the spirit and what his spirit has to offer, both internally and then that comes out in your behavior and it makes an impact on the kingdom of darkness. And I believe that fruit is given to us in Galatians 5.22. So if we go to the next slide, this is what Galatians 5.22 says. It says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And I don't care what kingdom you're in. You see three chairs. And these three chairs are part of my illustration because I want to show you that many of us, hopefully nobody in here sits in either one of these chairs, sits in this chair right here. This is a place where I remain. This is a place where I dwell. And so we're going to call this chair number three, chair number two, and chair number one. And every last person that lives in these specific realities are looking for this fruit that is described in the Bible. Everybody wants love. Everybody. And many times we go and we have experiences, especially coming up, where we've had a lack of love. And so guess what? We have life pursuits because we know that if I just get ahead and hold on and get this thing that I'm really looking for, the love will come. People will be impressed and they will show me all of this love. But essentially, it's this apple that has no feeling on the inside. I bite into it and it's just nothing but air. 
And this is how it is to live, and we're going to call this the reality of the kingdom of darkness. These are people who have never accepted Christ into their heart. These are people not because they just completely can't stand God. They just don't know him. They're just lost. They're trying to search for a fruit. They're trying to search for love and, and joy and, and peace. And every single time I, I try to do a new job, every single time I, I pursue this female, every single time I, I do certain things, I'm looking for this fruit that's only, I, I don't know where it is. I have no clue where it is because I'm separated from the one that provides it. And so this place, there's no hope. This place, the only thing that'll bring people out of this place is something supernatural. It is the King Jesus himself through the power of the Holy Spirit. But this is the kingdom of of, of darkness. And then here we are as believers and we live in these two kingdoms in chair number two and in chair number one. Everybody who is a believer has had to confess that Jesus is the Lord and Savior, which means, you know what? I've messed up. In this place, I understood exactly what I was doing. I'm living in this place of darkness. I'm just confused. I have nowhere else to go. But because of your love, your grace, and your mercy, you showed to me through your Holy Spirit and through your sacrifice on the cross, I decided to accept that you came and lived on the inside of my heart and you became the Lord of my life. And now I'm able to live in this reality that is called the kingdom of God. But what happens along the way is we end up in chair number two. Where, yeah, I confess that he is the king. And I know the word. I know exactly what he said. It says it right there. He says, if you abide in me, the fruit that I'm looking for will actually come forth. But people here, for some reason along the way, still believe. And they're driven. And we're driven by the life's circumstances. Our emotions. Just, just different things, or are we looking for other things to bear the fruit that God said was in his kingdom the entire time? We're going to call his chair the kingdom of self. Yes, I confess that he is the Lord and Savior, but my reality is how I feel. My reality is the things that I look for to find the fruits that I'm looking for. And we've seen a whole lot of that after this past couple of years. We had a whole evangelical group storm a place of authority. Why? Because they believe that their fruit of peace, that joy was in the man and not in the kingdom, was in a man and not in the person and the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ. And then in chair number one, this is the place where we dwell This is the place, like you're sitting in this room right now, you come to church, why? Because this is the place where you can experience God. This is a place where you don't have to act like anything. You just come as you are, as you've heard the saying, and you get a chance to touch the living God. This is the place where he gives you so much love. As we sing our song, where he gives you so much joy and and so much peace and and so much goodness and and kindness. God, I wish I was more kind when I leave the church and go to I-10 and someone cuts me off. I wish I was more kind in my thoughts towards that person. 
But this is the place where I experience all of this fruit. In this place, I experience nothing but insecurity and, and I continue to just kind of compare myself to other people. He said the fruit's over there, but I have to live in this specific reality. And he says in his word that we're actually about to read in a little bit, the difference between us living in this reality and the reason why I'm using languages like realities is because I believe it's a language that's going to speak to the next generation and my generation as well. And hopefully everybody in this room, because we're living at a time where Mark Zuckerberg is not creating metaverses, an alternate reality, because he just wants to. There's a demand for people to escape the reality in which they live in. People are looking to leave from this place. And who's providing the place for them to leave and go and you tell me. This is why I'm using these things. But the difference between those of us and those believers that rest and sit here, again, a place where you literally dwell and rest. This is a continuation. This is a time and a place where every single day of your life, for some reason, you are underneath this umbrella of the reality of the kingdom of God. The difference between you moving from this place and this place is just one word. And that word is something Jesus spoke about last week. And that word is believe. The only reason why you can't experience the realities of the kingdom of God and you're able to rest in his kingdom is because you believe that the fruit that you are really going to get, the fruit that's really going to satisfy you, is in your job. Or it's in your marriage. So when she makes you very angry... And the fruit that comes out of you is rage. You've placed too much stock in her. She is not supposed to give you the fulfillment that you're looking for. You get that from abiding in his word and in his kingdom. Believe. That's the one thing that Jesus has called us to do. It's believe. Believe. Believe, believe in my word, believe in the kingdom of God, believe in what I'm saying to you. I met a friend last week. Last week we're sitting there and I love to ask this specific question to everybody whenever I sit and have coffee with them or, or just kind of relaxing with them. I asked them, hey, uh, how is your relationship with God? And I'm looking for a specific answer because I want to see what reality he's living in. And he tells me this time, and you know what, man, bro, I just don't feel like I'm intimate with God, man. And I'm like, oh no, why don't you feel intimate with God? Like what's going on, what's happening? And, and, and he says, man, you know what? I understand like, man, I, I just haven't been able in this season, in this time to read my Bible for more than just 10 minutes. And I know because a pastor told me one time that I got 24 hours in a day and, and, and I felt really bad because I only used 10 minutes in this time, even though the kids are going acting all kinds of ways, even though I have to go to work, and even though all this pressure is built upon me, I was only able to get 10 minutes of his time. And our pastor told us that, man, you know what? You're not giving God enough of your time or your love or his love is decreasing towards you as if it's the amount of scriptures that you read that causes you to have more love in God and I got really sad because he's not believing in the gospel family let me present this to you I don't believe that you grow more in love with God 
or that God has more levels of love to pour upon you. He's not a respecter of person. He doesn't have another level of love to dump on you because you keep doing a whole bunch of stuff for him. No. The reality is that the only way you abiding in his love, you abiding in his word makes you more aware of the intimacy that he already has for you because he paid it on the cross 2,000 plus years ago. It's about you believing in that word. And in fact, we'll go to the next scripture and it says in John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 13. This is a continuation. I love John. This is a continuation of what Jesus was talking about because it's all about abiding in him. And it says this, by this we know that we abide in him. How? Because he is in us. Why? Because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son as the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him. That intimacy, the moment you do that, It's done. And he and God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love, abide in God. And God in him. It says it right there. The moment you have had that encounter where he came into your darkness. And he pulled you out and he showed you just how much you're worth it. Just how much my sin covers up a multitude of sin. And you were able to realize that he brought you into this reality where intimacy is forevermore. He says, my love, not this level of love, not this higher level of love covers that. No, my singular love, my all-encompassing love, just who I am, covers a multitude of sin. It casts your sins as far as the east is from the west. All you have to do is believe that that's true. rest in that you live in that I love the written word of God because it points to the living word of God and the living word of God will always point to the written word of God they are together they are married they are one you can't separate one from another but family if you believe that your intimacy is based on how many verses you can get in or crunch in, then I'm sorry. You have a skewed view of the gospel because it's never been about how many verses you read. It's been about how many verses you actually believe. It's always been that way. This is why I love our fellow believers in China, in Beijing, China, to be exact, because for some reason, In the next 10 years, they will have the most believers than anywhere else in the entire world. But that doesn't come without prosecution or persecution because they're still over there getting their Bibles taken away from them and burned. Their churches, as we're sitting here, they will get ransacked, taken away from them and burned. Taken out of their homes and their families, tortured. Why? Because they want them to denounce Jesus. So let me ask you this. Because they've had this encounter with God, they had the same encounter many of us have had in here. We are brought in through sonship and daughtership in the kingdom of God because of what he did on the cross. They now abide in one another. Now, let me ask you, if they had their Bibles taken from them and burned, 
so they can't read. Do they still abide in God? That's what some of us believe. Some of us believe that if I don't read my word, I don't abide in God. That's the opposite of this. And I'm saying this because here in America, we have the amazing privilege. We should be jumping for joy because of where God has us. We get a chance to have the written word of God so that we can commune with the living word of God. But it's always been about how many verses that they believe. So what makes these people in China so much different than so many people that we see in this country, in our lives, the people that we know from living in this chair and living in this chair? It's that word believe. Even though they take my Bible, even though they burn it, even though they can rip me out of my church and burn my church, it doesn't matter the kind of pressure that they're putting on me. It doesn't matter the kind of torture they can put me under. That does not matter. For some reason, I can continue to exude love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. I exhibit the fruits of the word of God, but I'm also seeing this external fruit that we're living because we're growing at a rapid pace. Just like when God says, listen, I want you to be fruitful and multiply to the children of Israel so long ago. They were under pressure of Pharaoh. They were under pressure of Egypt, but it didn't matter because they abided and they understood something. I live here. You can do what you want. You'll never take my joy. You can do as you please. But for some reason, there's a peace that surpasses all understanding, guarding my heart and my mind. Go ahead and give me another slash. Go ahead and give me another hit. Because John, 1 John said, you can't separate me from this reality. Why? Because nothing I did, but because of his work on the cross. Came down, lived the life I should have lived, died a death I should have died. It is in his pleasure, it is in his presence where this fruit is able to thrive. Many of us, and I was talking to the man again, made New Year's resolutions. And he made a New Year's resolution of how he wanted to read the whole Bible in a year. And I'm like, that's amazing and that's great and that's good, especially if you're someone like G. Because G loves the written word. Why? Because he's experiencing the living word as he's doing. G continuously lives in this specific place. And so it's not coming from a place where he's trying to thrive to get something or strive to get something. That's not many of us. Many of us try to read the Bible in a full year. Why? Because we have spent the last year not getting the kind of word or amount of verses or whatever that we felt like we needed. And so we try to go to the other extreme. And I have a feeling that God is like, who told you to do that? Who put that pressure on you? It's never been about how many verses that you can actually read. It's always been about how many verses that you actually believe. And I believe that God is like, I just want my people, the people who call themselves believers, notice, I didn't say too much about this 
reality, this kingdom. Because Jesus is speaking to his disciples. They were believers. So I'm speaking to you. And God is speaking to you and saying, I just want you to take the pressure off. Don't force pressure on yourself. You've probably experienced pressure from your parents, society, friends, or this internal thing that makes you drive to do what you're doing so that you can strive to gain a fruit that is never going to happen because it's found in rest. It's found in this. And he's saying, I'm coming to lift it off, but I want my people to lift this thing off of them. I always felt like the enemy was always after my efforts. Every single time I'm battling something, I'm like, I'm battling, I'm pushing hard, I'm fighting back, I'm doing all these things, and the enemy just won't let me go. And yes, that does happen. It's called spiritual warfare. But sometimes I feel like the enemy is actually in agreement with my efforts. I was talking to the same man, and he was struggling with a different, uh, a specific sin pattern. And he was like, you know, I've been clean from this sin for a full year. And for some reason, I just fell. And now I can't hear God. I can't feel God. I'm not intimate with God. All of these things. And I understood why. He said, despite my efforts. And I said, well, then there you have it. Because us as humans, you'll not be wise to believe that you are greater than what you truly are. We always have this bend towards unrighteousness. It is only by his spirit that makes us bend towards righteousness. It is by his Holy Spirit that came and lived inside of us. And so what you get when you come out the other side of being a year clean without the knowledge of understanding that it is only by his grace and me abiding in this area, which is why the fruit of freedom came forth because I'm living here, which means my eyes are more focused on his word and believing in his word than my efforts. What you get on the other side is, wow, I just beat this sin. You get pride for a full year or you get what I like to call effort fatigue where you're fighting so hard you keep going you keep fighting and then all of a sudden you get so fatigued that you end up falling back in the same cycle because it's never been about your effort and I'm a full-blown believer that the enemy is not necessarily after and fighting back against my effort what he's after is this right here the bridge between the one reality and another. He's after your joy. He's after your belief. If he can cloud the fact that, no, this word says this, which is why the moment you mess up and the moment you fall, what happens? See, you done messed up again. You done fell again. Meaning, you got to give God space now. Anybody ever been told that? Everybody get in the argument and the person said, I just need some space. You got to give God space now because he's really mad with you. He, he doesn't really understand. So you got to give him some space. That's this reality right here. Whereas if you're focusing on the fruit of freedom, when you sit here and when you rest in what his word says, his word says there is neither no depths again, no heights that can separate you from my love. My love cast out all fear. My love covers a multitude of sin. My love will cast your sins as far as the east is from the west. In fact, I'm loving, I'm compassionate. I am full of grace and full of truth. He says, I am slow to anger and I am just to forgive all of sin. 
and iniquity. And so the moment you fall, that's where you need to focus your attention to. The moment you fall, that's what you, uh, that's what God said. That's what his word says. I got to believe it. Okay, but you can't, but, 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 but you messed up too much. No, 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 no. I understand I messed up, but this is what he said about me. No, 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 no. But you know you're going to do it again. It's okay if I fall again because I'm not looking to bear fruit here. I'm looking to bear fruit here. So I get to sit here and rest. I don't have the responsibility of bearing a fruit because of my efforts. I have the responsibility of resting and abiding in his word. And the fruit of freedom will begin to come and my behavior is changed. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what he's called us to. Abide in my love is what he said. Abide in my love. Remain there. Just dwell. Just be. And I want to tell somebody in here. I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying, you're okay. Somebody has to hear that. You're doing okay. You're doing fine. Cease from striving. Abide and dwell with me. You're not as far off as you think you are. Live in my reality. Believe in my words. I have fearfully and wonderfully made you. I will carry you from old, from, from the young, from the womb to old age if you abide in me. I love you. But it's hard to abide in the love of God when you believe his love is limited by your behavior and limited by your successes or your failures. I'll end with this. I've experienced the joy after this season, and I don't know if I'm still in it. I have no clue. After this season of just feeling all these things in chair number two, I'm like, God, why am I going through this? I just don't feel like myself. At the other side is this, what I'm speaking to you, but there's been such a joy that I have been receiving. Like, wow, there is a place of rest. I'm in ministry. And ministry is hard. It's one of the hardest things you can do. It makes you tired because you're trying to go for a people that want nothing to do with what you're giving them, the gospel. Which is why it'll behoove all of us here. When you see your pastors get up here and speak a word, understand that they are just like you. We are trying to live in this reality. But for some reason, we live into the world that continues to try to pull us back here. And it is only by his grace that we are able to stand up and say, I get a chance to live here. My joy, and Jesus says, I want to tell you this, that your joy may be complete. Abide in him. Because his fruit was never supposed to be bared in your kingdom in pressure but in his pleasure in his presence Holy Ghost I just thank you for every last person here no matter what they're going through no matter how they're feeling no matter what pressure that they're experiencing in any category of their life the pressure to be pressure to perform pressure to raise kids it doesn't matter God 
let them go through a season where you give them one word. And if that one word is truly from you, let it spark a curiosity so that they can dive deeper and deeper in a way so that there is revelation at the end and joy.